Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. And good Monday afternoon to everybody. Welcome to another edition and another week of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Kelly Santer will be joining us as he does every day in the second half of the program. Darian Yancey, a former defensive player for the Golden Eagles, is going to be on the show as well today. As we kick off another week, opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. We love Dickie's Barbecue. You can enjoy it seven days a week. They cook it fresh every day. You can eat it in-house through the drive-thru, or they'll deliver it right to your house. However you choose to get it, just make sure that you choose Dickie's Barbecue Pit. All right, Bob Getty, Luke Johnson, Golden Eagles dropped the second game of the week, had a 27-10 lead midway through the third quarter. And let it slip away. They lose to Louisiana Tech 31-30, to drop to 0-2 on the season. Uh, not, uh, not a winning debut for the new head coach. Disappointing. And here's what he had to say after the game. To do, to, 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 to fix that one. Uh, you know, when you got, you got to lead 27-10, to 10, uh, you know, we got to finish that game. And we got to, you know, my big message to the team was we, got, we have to expect to win. You know, expect when we're up 27 to 10, there's no excuse to let them back in the game. Um, you know, I, I thought our kids fought hard. I, I'm proud of I'm proud of the way that we handled ourselves and the way that we fought. The fight was there. The execution was not in critical moments. And as coaches, you know, we'll, we'll have to go back and really assess, you know, in what phase of the game, what area of the game that we that we got to get better at. And obviously we needed a big stop right there. But offensively, too, you know, we, we missed out on several opportunities. Um you know, to where I think we could have put more points on the board. Uh, the turnover was huge. Got a screenplay called. Um, got guys coming, guys coming free. And that's what we want on a screenplay. And give them credit; they made a great play. Uh, tipped the ball, and I got the pick right there. And that 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 really uh, started their momentum swing. I felt like uh, defensively, just feel like we got to tackle in critical moments. And then I feel like we got to get off the field in third downs. You know, I feel like we 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 have to get off the field in third downs um, and do a better job. At you know, it looks like they were. 10 out of 16 on third downs. So that's a, that's a, that's a really high percentage. But, uh, the one, the one message to the team is I told them that, that, you know, as from a coaching staff and, and player standpoint, you know, we're, we're not going to be a group of people that point the finger at this, that, the other, we're going to take correction. And so as coaches, we're going to get on the film and we're going to assess where we went wrong, what, where, where we had missed assignments, where we were not right. And then we're going to get that corrected with our players. And when, the players get that, you know, the big message to them was, you know, they've got to take that correction and they've got to apply it. And that's how teams get better. So we've got a long season ahead of us. Obviously, this hurts. This hurts really bad. Um, and uh, it's a game we, we, we could have won and should have won. And, uh, you know, we're never going to uh, be too happy after a loss because the expectation is to win every game we play. And uh, I'm disappointed and, and I got to be better uh, for the team and, and, and do a better job, put them in a position to where we can uh, where, where we can finish a ball game and win. So. All right, Luke Johnson, I think that pretty much sums it up. I think the head coach, uh, with a good summary of what happened, certainly a lot of increased energy, it seemed, on the football team. But you just, uh, 
you know, you just can't you can't lose 17 point leads midway through the third quarter. And we can talk about the play in the end zone. We could talk about this play, that play, this play. But the bottom line is you've got a 17 point lead. You got to put the football game away. And I think that's what this football team uh, has to get a lot better at doing. We've talked about that in the past, Luke, that the team the last couple of years just doesn't seem to have that kill shot in it. And I think Saturday night was, boy, was a vivid example of that. When you think about how good the second half started and how bad the second half ended, I mean, on the opening drive, Latham gets the pick. And uh, really, next play, of all things, Bob Getty, they threw a bubble screen, and Tim Jones took it in for a touchdown. And you felt like when that happened, they were about to put it away. So then you get up 27-10, to and then you just let Louisiana Tech back in. The two turning points of the game for me, and then I'll kind of talk offense and defense. The, The turning point of the game was when Southern Miss was going in to put it up three scores. And they throw a screen pass, and, and just what Coach Walden said, they had it lined up right, and the ball gets tipped at the line of scrimmage, and then it gets returned, uh, intercepted and returned uh, back on Southern Miss's side of the field. That was huge because the Eagles would have probably broken the back of Louisiana Tech at that point. But then they get back in the game, and then they pull within three. And um, The other point was when Tim Jones caught a touchdown pass that got reversed, uh, and then Jason Brownlee caught one a few plays later. Tim Jones was injured on that play, and that's why you didn't see him the rest of the game. He, the rest of the second half, he was on a bike down there, apparently working out a leg. Uh, Coach Walden told us in the press conference at the end of the game, it was, uh, a soft tissue injury. It wasn't an ankle. It wasn't a niece. You got to assume maybe it's a hamstring. But when Tim Jones left the football game, the offense, um, didn't go down one gear. You could tell maybe two or three gears. It was just really hard and, but what a player Tim Jones was the other night. Un- unbelievable, leading the country in receiving right now. But, yeah, offensively, ran the ball better. Um, there was more energy. Defensively, no pressure whatsoever from from the defensive front. And to go back to what you said at the beginning, Bob, Jack, Jack Abraham, probably with the most telling quote talking about the Scotty Walden era, he said – uh, in the in the press conference, he said that was the most energy that has been on the Southern Miss sidelines since he's been a Golden Eagle. Well, there's no question. Coach Walden was full of energy. He had to have been tired by the time he got home last night and uh, that night. Of course, the ESPN guys are commenting uh, all through the program about uh, just you really never see a coach quite as animated uh, as he was in his first game. I thought offensively the team played well enough to win the football game. You're right. Tim Jones was the dominant player on the field in the first half. No question about that. As the announcers were saying, uh, looks like a lot of NFL potential if he continues to develop. He was the dominant player uh, in the first half. But, Luke, I, I just here's the biggest weakness that I see from a layman's standpoint is uh, this defensive team seems to, has, seems to have no ability to put real pressure on the quarterback. And, uh, you know, that kid from Louisiana Tech is going to be a player, and when you give him the kind of time uh, that he had, uh, you, you see the results. You've got to be able to pressure the quarterback defensively. Well, you're through two games, Malik Shorts, your strong safety, is your leading tackler. I think that's everything you need to know. I mean, safeties do oftentimes lead teams in tackles or are close at the top, but but Malik Shorts had 14 tackles. He had 11 against South Alabama, and really what happens is if you can't get pressure, 
if you're going to run a three-man front, now I'm not a, a D1 defensive coordinator, so I'm not trying to tell anybody on our staff what to do. But you, if, if you're going to run a three-man front, you've got to have some bosses up there that get pressure. And if you don't do that, you got to blitz. There were times that we only had five guys in the box. We would pull our, our bandit. Uh, Avery Hobbes would come off the field. You would have a, a dime formation with, with six defensive backs occasionally. And they just never were able to get, get pressured. The, in the third quarter, for about a five-minute span, was the only time in two games when we got effective pressure on the quarterback. I asked Scotty that in the post game, and he he just said, you know, they were coming off the ball, juiced up out of halftime. For about a five-minute stretch, we saw it. Never saw it again, and that's the problem going forward. Is that if you don't get any pressure on the quarterback, a, a secondary that's a little suspect right now, they just look even worse because uh, they're having to, to to play off you. If you're going to play man, you've got to get to the quarterback. If you don't play man and you go to zone and he has all day, he's going to pick you apart. Well, we're always going to call it like we see it on this show too. This was not the best Louisiana Tech team we've seen. Uh, this team, as, as they pointed out throughout the telecast, was pretty depleted from COVID-19, had only one practice in pads in the previous three weeks leading up to the game, and they are able to come back and dominate the fourth quarter. Luke, I think you're going to see a much better two-lane team in here this weekend than the Louisiana Tech team we saw. So I think the Golden Eagles have got to improve, and they've got to do it pretty quickly. Well, with, with with Tulane, they're coming off a disappointing loss. They blew a 24-point lead to Navy. Navy came back and, and won that game in, in the last minute on a, on a field goal. And so, yeah, Tulane's facing a little adversity too. But but you got to think with Tulane, they're going to be able to rush the ball better than Louisiana Tech did, and uh, they're going to have a better probably defense than than Tulane did. Jack Abraham, um, 75% completion rate, 24-32, 264 yards, three touchdowns. The interception, I'm not blaming it on him. It was a tip ball. Uh, Golden Eagles, uh, close to 400 yards, 393 yards. They gave up 381 to Louisiana Tech. Golden Eagles rushed for 129 yards. And, and I guess we'll go to commercial this way with a positive. Frank Gore Jr. is awesome in open space, Bob Getty. Yeah, he's good. Lots of talent there, no question, uh, that that kid's going to be a real ball player for Southern Miss. All right, when we come back, Darian Yancey's going to talk to us for a few minutes. We're going to get Kelly on the show. I want to talk, too, about this article that we posted on our Facebook page from BannerSociety.com. Luke and I both read it. We both thought it was just a spot-on analogy, analysis, I should say, of where the Southern Miss program has been and where it is now. So we're going to discuss that as well. Lots to talk about today. We're so happy to have games to talk about (laughs) on the Eagle Hour. It makes doing the show a lot easier, I can tell you. We'll be right back. Derry and Yancey next on the show. To the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back to the Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. Glad you're listening around the state, wherever you're tuned in this afternoon, whether it be online or one of our Super Talk affiliates. Wherever you're at, uh, welcome to the Eagle Hour. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. 
They've got the apparel there, got all the new football shirts in, all the fall stuff, winter stuff. Now's the time uh, to go get you some new swag. You can get it six days a week at their Hardy Street location. If you prefer to shop online, you can go to campusbookmart.net, pick out your stuff. They'll send it right to your front door. Kelly Sander joining us a little later in the show, but right now we want to visit with a former defensive star for the Golden Eagles and a young man after my heart, a big-time animal lover, is Darian Yancey, who is joining us today from Auburn, Alabama. And, Darian, welcome to the Eagle Hour. Hey, how you doing? Well, we're good. And I, we're going to talk to you about football in the next few minutes, but i got to tell you, uh, I've always heard the saying that you can judge the character of a human by the way they treat and care for animals I've always been a believer that animals are God's gift to humans on this planet, and apparently you do too, because when I was reading your bio, now correct me if I'm wrong, but during your time at Southern Miss, you had three dogs, two cats, an iguana, a python, three birds, and a turtle. Does that sound correct (laughs) to you, Darian? Yes, sir. Most of my animals were at home. I kept a couple down here in my apartment at Southern Miss, but... Most of my animals were actually at home with my mom, so she helped me take care of some of them. <laughs> All right, and and your your objective, according to this article, was to get a bearded dragon. So let me let our listeners know what that is, and if you ever got one. Yes, I did actually get a bearded dragon. It's actually a lizard. Um, I actually got one. He's actually still alive. I've had him since I was in college. I was really excited about that. You know, I still take care <laughs> of him every day and. Check on my little guy. Like I said, he's another one that, you know, I added to my collection of my mom's house. So he went from my apartment in Mississippi to my mom's house. So I have, now I actually have a cat and a dog at the house with me. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, and your mom, uh, your mom must like him herself because apparently she's, she's helped keep him healthy and happy. And the crazy thing is, she is not a humongous fan of reptiles, but she is doing a great job with my lizard. She actually called me a couple weeks ago and called me on FaceTime and was showing me how she actually had the lizard sitting on her shoulder. And I was like, well, look at you, Mom. You're doing good now. Yeah, you finally got him out of the cage, you know, which is a big shocker because she never does that. But, yeah, she's getting adjusted to it and she's getting used to it. Well, good deal, man. That that's that's look. Anybody that loves animals has got to be a good person, man. So I I, I yeah. commend I commend you on that. All right, defensive star here at Southern Miss. Come to us uh, from Auburn, Alabama. Uh, played in some really big games. Had some really good times. What well, what are your greatest memories, Darian, from your time at uh, Southern Miss? Uh, I honestly have to start with saying meeting Picasso Nelson. Um, he was another guy that graduated high school early, like I did. And we got up there around the same time, even though he was kind of sort of from that area, not the Hattiesburg area, but the Oak Grove area. And uh, just kind of meeting him and becoming real good pals with him. I, got, I actually talked to him last week. You know, we talked a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he's doing pretty good for himself right now. But I think one of my biggest memories would be that scoop and score against Marshall my senior year when uh, Jacquez Turner stripped the quarterback of the ball and I. I don't know. It was just kind of like an in-the-moment type of deal. It wasn't, you know, football isn't really a playing thing. So I just kind of saw opportunity, and I kind of went for it and scooped the ball up and went in and scored my first college touchdown. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how sweet is it for a defensive lineman to score a touchdown? 
it breaks the scale. It breaks the scale. <laughs> De- a defensive lineman ever holding the football and this hand of the football game is a pretty big deal. You know, we never get that chance. Right. All right, Luke. Uh, Darian Yancey's with us on the Eagle Hour. Darian, great to talk to you today. Uh, you came out of, uh, of Auburn. You had a lot of offers, and I guess uh, I'm a Southern Miss guy. I played at Southern Miss, but you were coming into a program that had won one game in, in two years. What put you over the top, uh, literally, to, to sign with Southern Miss? What was it? Uh, well, I could honestly say with the coaching staff, you know, they were – you know, they treated you so well. They treated you like family. They welcomed you in. They were very organized. And you can tell that they were all about business, you know, when you went up there. So, I mean, we had such a great time when we went. I mean, it topped every other visit by far. But the main thing that kind of caught my attention was, like you said, they had just won only one game. And that's a challenge for any athlete. You know, we don't really run away from challenges. We embrace them. And, you know, we, we look for those challenges and see how we can make things better. So it was just something that I looked at like a big challenge. Like, how can I make this program better? You know, they're already treating me like a family. So how can I, you know, what can I bring to the table? Your first your first uh, season in 2014, you redshirted. And then your redshirt freshman year, you started 13 games as a redshirt freshman that was the year where uh, the rebuild came back. Uh, Todd Munkin, mm-hmm. I think you guys won three games uh, your true freshman year. But that 15 team, you go from winning th- three games to winning nine games. What was it about the off season and going into that 2015 season that made it so successful? Uh, it was the chemistry of the team mixed mixed in with um, the coaching staff. And, and let me just go ahead and praise Coach Woodson because he did an amazing job of turning our team completely around. I mean, just bringing us in closer together, showing us what it means to be a team, building us up from taking us to, you know, a military base and showing us, you know, how they operate and how they work together as a unit and just kind of build us up. And and, and I just I get so emotional when I talk about it because for us it was such a big Step, you know, for guys that we came in and they entrusted us with a program, and like I said, we embraced it. We didn't complain. We didn't shy away from it. We just saw something, you know, and, and as a team, we set our goals, we set our dreams and beliefs, and that's what we ran with. You know, we took that as a family, as a unit, and we just held it ten toes down. No hesitation. Yeah, uh, Darian, uh, what kind of a what kind of a guy was Todd Munkin to be around? Oh man, Todd Munkin, I love him. Uh, <laughs> he was such a great guy, you know. Very, he had very high energy. Um, one of the funniest people I know, honestly. But he was such a great coach. And I say that because Todd Munkin wasn't afraid to, he wasn't afraid to, how can I put this? He wasn't afraid to put himself out there. He wasn't afraid to make himself vulnerable for the team. You know, he wasn't afraid to correct himself for the benefit of the team. And I don't know too many coaches that would really sit down and do that. But, you know, at one point he had a heart-to-heart with himself, I think, and he brought it to the team. And it was just more so about, him as a coach and how he can do his job a whole lot better to help us 
benefit, how to help us win. Mm-hmm. And that's something as a coach, you know, a lot of, especially just as a man, you know, a lot of people don't really know how to drop their pride like that. And he did such a wonderful job as a coach. I mean, you can't do nothing but love him. Right. And yeah, sometimes he'll, he'll get up under your skin sometimes and, you know, <laughs> make you cringe your teeth, but it was all worth it. It was all worth the process, you know? Yeah. Darren, did you guys have any sense, or I'm sure you must have had some, uh, as to how much that nine-win season meant to the longtime fans of Southern Miss uh, who had been through so much to see their program come back and have such a competitive, gritty team back on the field again. Did you guys have a sense of how much that meant to everyone? Of course, of course. I mean, you know, being on the field, we don't really get that feeling as much as you know, the alumni and everybody else. But now being an alumni and kind of looking at the team and praying for the best for Southern Miss right now to this day, I I can understand where people are coming from and how much it means to them and how much they love the school, how much they love the program and what's going on in Hattiesburg. So, you know, I can can really understand and respect how they feel. So I understand it completely. Right, and I guess it's fair to say, and I'm sure you realize, uh, you played on what's been the best team we've had since then, too. I mean, I think that's a fair statement. Well, you know, to each his own. I can't take all the credit, you know. I feel like I feel like it was, I mean, it was a lot of different things. It was, I guess you could say it started with the defense that challenged the offense or or it started with the offense that challenged the defense or or it started as a whole as as the entire team approaches special teams and we're challenging each other every single day. You know, even even our resource is giving our starters a good look on the scout team, you know, it's 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 a team process. So, you know, you could say it was one of the best teams for a while, but I feel like every team that comes through Southern Miss has that same potential. We just had to bring it out of them. Well, great conversation, Darian. Uh, you made a great contribution here, man. Uh, we'll, we'll never forget that year. And um, I'm a big fan of yours now after I, f- I found out about your love and caring for animals. So you take care of those, uh, those creatures, Darian, and uh, nothing but the best to you, young man. Thank you. You have a great one. All right. Darian Young, everybody. Really great story. Animal lover, great defensive player, and as you can tell, a really intelligent and well-spoken young man. We'll be back. Eagle Hour brings Kelly Center on that. Southern Miss to the top. Great talking with Darian Yancey, former Southern Miss defensive player from 2014 to 2018. Appreciate Darian's time today. First segment, or a third segment on this first day of the week for the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, just across Highway 49 from Southern Miss, home of the 895 lunch, home of Trivia. Shoot some pool and see lots of Southern Miss memorabilia. And we appreciate 4th Street Bar and Grill being a proud sponsor 
of the Eagle Hour. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Kelly Sander joins us now. Kelly, um, lots of energy on the sideline for Southern Miss. Offense looks better. Uh, defensively, uh, no rush on the quarterback, and you blow a 17-point lead. Uh, it, it was a gut punch, really, at the end for for Southern Miss. It was. There were lots of there were lots of good things that happened, but obviously there were some things that, that they still need to to work on. I mean, when you take two offenses in their respective leagues, like South Alabama and Louisiana Tech, who preseason their offenses were supposed to be middle of the pack, and and you gave up thirty one points, you know, to both of them. There's obviously some defensive work that has to be done, but but. Clearly, there was uh, the, the guys looked like they wanted to be out there. You know, they they certainly appeared to play hard from from my point of view. Um, so there are lots of good things that that happened. They tried to stretch the ball out. Tim Jones had a had a pretty good game, and now he's going to be nursing a um, um, an injury. Uh, they think he's going to be able to play this Saturday against Tulane. Don, Don Ragdale nursing an injury. They think he'll be able to go against Tulane. But it's amazing when the Eagles tried to stretch the field, tried to go downfield, how a lot of other things worked well. Um, so offensively, I'm not, I'm not as concerned about the team now as I am defensively. They've, they've got to be able to stop people. And, and again, both of those teams that they've lost to were supposed to have middle-of-the-road offenses, um, you know, and, and giving up 31 points to each. So you know, some work has to be done, but, but certainly was, it was an entertaining game. It was fun to watch. The guys were into it. The coaches were into it, and I think the fans were into it. Yeah, a good telecast too. You know, the whole thing was was entertaining. But seriously, Kelly, on a scale of one to ten, how intimidated were you uh, up by the Dixie Darlings being there? Well, that's honestly, Bob. That's why I didn't go. Is that because right? I, just, I, I, I feel like I'm only safe in my own home. I understand. You know? I understand. You know, I, I, I got chill bumps. I'll have to say, man. I. I <laughs> And I, I'm just thankful that the game was on TV. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to correct, you know, to see it at all. And I mean, when you've got, you know, when you've got the Antifa guys not even going to the Rock because because of the Dixie Darlings. That's yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, they are a force. They're forced to be reckoned. It was pretty cool to have the band in the <laughs> west upper section. That that was pretty neat. They, yeah. I tell you what, they sounded louder up there than than they do when they put them in the end. Well, zone. it gave a little substance to the upper deck as well. You know, and the, and, the way really they had them guys, spread out was good. You know, if you're a fan of sports and you have a favorite team, like the Eagles are obviously our favorite team, the only thing you can realistically expect is you just you want your team to compete. And I don't think that there was any doubt uh, that the guys competed. And it, it was just a cry and shame. You know, one of the things that kind of concerned me in, in that loss is that Louisiana Tech had only been practicing since Tuesday. Correct. That's exactly right. You know, and right. the fact that they had only had a couple of practices in and came in here and beat us is a little bit concerning. Correct. Um, but I think you know, I think our guys with the effort will will you know continue to get to get better too. And really, being realistic about it, when you look at the rest of the conference USA schedule, I think the only two teams that the Eagles will be favored against would be UTEP and Rice. Right. And you got UTSA now is actually getting votes in the top twenty-five. That has never happened before. Marshall is in the twenty-five. Sensational, yeah. Um, so yeah, Marshall is in the top twenty-five, and they look sensational, beating a very good uh, App State team. Now, luckily, we don't have to play the herd. But I'm just saying, in our division, you know, North Texas, we might, you know, North Texas doesn't appear to be as strong as 
as maybe we thought they were going to be. But but I think the only two teams that are slam dunk, you know, the Eagles would be favored, would be Rice and and UTEP, and that's and that's just our side. Here's another problem, Kelly. You bring up a good point. Uh, Louisiana Tech was 20 players short, and six of their starters did not play because of COVID-19, and yet they dominated the fourth quarter of the football game. Yeah, I, I still just you just you, you know that they always say that that first one is the hardest one to get, and you were really pulling for Coach Walden and the guys with the effort that they did expend. And and I, I promise you, I would rather lose 60 to nothing than lose a game like that. I really would because you think, you know, you, you're there, you're there, you're there, and then you only trail one play, and it just happens to be the last one. Right. And man, it was just a it was just a killer. But um, but they seem to be taking it in stride, and mm-hmm. um, you know, definitely some things to build on. But the defense has got to get better. And being a Bengal fan, yeah. you've experienced every kind of loss, have you not, Kelly? Oh, yeah. I mean, at least the Eagles haven't lost a game trying to kick a field goal and having the kicker pull his muscle, you know. <laughs> Bullock was pretty good this past weekend for as bad as he was in, in week one. No, they're just uh, poor Joe. You know, I was watching some games with the guys, you know, yesterday, and, and they're going, well, hell, the Bengals are playing so so badly, they may, may get the number one pick again. You think they'd pick the kid from Clemson? Oh, they don't need a quarterback. I said, well, we might, because poor Joe Burrow's going to get killed. You right. Know, they don't. They don't do something here. You know, we were talking yeah. uh, before we went on the air, uh, we'll get off of NFL football here in a second, but we were talking about the system in New England and the way the Patriots looked last night without Tom Brady. Now, they lost at the end of the game. They were down at the one-yard line when they uh, when they just couldn't score on the last play of the game. But, Kelly, I, I told you, in that system with Bill Belichick, Cam Newton looks like he did 10 years ago. And and Tom Brady is has racked up all those records that he's in the NFL because he he happened to be the lucky guy that was in that system. If you'd have put Andy Dalton in that system, you know, Andy Dalton would have the same the same numbers. It's you know, I I've never been a Patriot fan, but you have to give Belichick a lot of credit. He just they don't even have a lot of high priced talent. They just plug in the next guy up and Absolutely. Would you agree though that Newton looks like a new player? Yeah, he does. Well he's got something to play for now too. You know, mm-hmm. Cam's always kind of been criticized as kind of being a baby that if they're if they're quote unquote out of it playoff wise he just kind of you know phones it in well now you know with the incompetent the continued incompetence of the jets and the dolphins in the afc east where they're playing they've, they've still got a playoff shot with a completely new roster practically and i will say too that the, that was really the first game i've sat down and watched and i gotta tell you guys it was social justice free I didn't hear a word from the announcers. I didn't see any demonstrations on the field. It was just kind of fun to uh, to sit back and watch two really good teams. And you can't talk about Cam Newton without saying, too, that Russell Wilson may be the best player in the league right now. And I think that the audio guys, who's ever run on the audio board. Really good, aren't they? They are. They're doing it because you would not know. <laughs> That's exactly not a right. Single person in that state. You're exactly right about that, Kelly. You're uh, exactly funny, right. I was watching one of the games on, and I think it was the Southern Miss game. In fact, uh, where the La Tech guy was running in, and you heard some. Of course, there were some fans at the Southern Miss game, but I heard somebody yell, "Break his ankle!" <laughs> spoken like a true Eagle fan. Yes. Let's, don't just stop him. Let's break his ankle. Oh, um, Luke, you were mentioning Four Street uh, Barn Grill. By the way, they're going to be hoodatting tonight. You know, um, they're going to have their 
their fried oyster pool boys tonight and red beans and rice and all kinds of stuff ready for the, the Saints game and New Orleans playing um, the Las Vegas Raiders tonight. So mm-hmm. if you want some place to hoot at, 4th Street Bar and Grill, they're going to have plenty of Saints fans there. So I just wanted right. to put that in there. So can can, the, can your hoodats go out there and win, Luke? Can they go out there and beat Chucky and uh, the boys in the new uh, space station in the Las Dash Vegas? Star. Yeah. There was a the, – the Saints posted a video of several uh, players' kids getting them ready for the game. And I'll tell you what, um, Cameron Jordan's kid, DeMario Davis's kids, and Thomas Morstead, the punter, who looks a little like John Gruden. He got up in the camera and he said, Dad, beat those dirty Raiders. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, after watching those kids get crunk, uh, yeah, the, it's, it's over. I mean, they're going to spoil the – the uh, brand new debut for Chucky, it, it's over. But no, seriously, it, you know it's a it's a it's a game. I think in some ways the visiting team has a, a better advantage in the NFL right, right now, right. just because there's there's nothing uh, nothing to be cheered against. Yeah, you're right. But Kelly, you're spot on about that. Watching that game last night, if you didn't see pictures of the stands, because there was not a soul in that big stadium in Seattle. Uh, wouldn't Antifa didn't even show up for that, which really surprised me, Kelly. But if you didn't look in the stands and you were just listening to the audio and watching the field, you would have thought it was just another football game. They did a remarkable job. Yeah, the audio guys really deserve a lot of credit, you know. And those those are probably the IT guys with the Coke bottle glasses that you know, right? Probably uh, <laughs> sitting back there pushing all. <laughs> but man, it certainly it certainly you know adds to it for sure. No question so now, about it. Now the Eagles have got Tulane coming in here this weekend, and, and Tulane can't be in a very good mood because they had their game practically locked up and blew it in the last second. So, Well, we want to uh, talk about that when we come back because obviously there's a fascinating, uh, a fascinating uh, angle to the Tulane game. Also, we made fun of Deion Sanders being the next coach at Southern Miss. I guess we must have irritated him because he's now – the new head coach at Jackson State University, believe it or not. We'll have discussion on those two subjects next. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment on this Monday brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and online, toyotahattiesburg.com. DBAT and D1 Training, located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, are there to help you and your family get better in baseball, softball, and personal uh, fitness and training. Uh, DBAT is a softball and baseball academy, and right next door is D1 Training, a great facility uh, to get conditioning, weight training, all of that. Go see our friends at DBAT and D1 Training. Luke and Bob in the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel Kelly Center on the phone before we uh, talk a few more news and notes. Uh, I wanted to bring this up. We didn't talk about it first segment. Uh, a lot of you still may be wondering, uh, the Golden Eagles left four points on the scoreboard. They went for two 
uh, instead of kicking a PAT on the first touchdown, went for a fourth and seven on the first drive of the game. Scotty Walden in his press conference talking about the decision to go for two had already been made based off a look that Louisiana Tech gave all last year. They gave them that look on the uh, when they lined up in the swinging gate formation, and uh, they had the right blocks. They just missed the block. So that was the two-point conversion call. The fourth and seven call, uh, just playing aggressive early in the game. Uh, they felt like the offense was in rhythm, and he admitted that he's got to do a better job uh, getting better play calls in that gives them a chance to get beyond the stick. So just filling that in, that was one of the big questions from this weekend. Uh, we talk about the Golden Eagles opponent coming in, Tulane. Lots of Mississippi ties, Kelly Center, including uh, two twins from from Petal, the Watts twins at receiver, Keon Howard from Laurel, the former Southern Miss quarterback, and, of course, Will Hall, the offensive coordinator from Tulane. A lot of storylines going into this game. And a lot of people have thought that if if the Southern Miss job opens up, and of course I hope it doesn't. I hope that I wish nothing but the best for for uh, Scotty Walden. I hope they you know run the table from here on out. But but Will Hall always his name always comes up, and of course you've probably heard that his his dad uh, Bobby Hall you know is a is a Hall of Fame high school football coach here, uh, and Will Hall has recruited a lot of these guys. You know, from from our neck of the woods to go down there. So, so yeah, this this game means a lot. You know, from a recruiting standpoint, from a bragging rights deal too. But but again, they're not going to come in here in real good spirits after having that big lead and then uh, and then blowing it. You know, at at the end of the game. So, the Green Wave will come in here in not not very good humor. Is that thing going to be on TV, Luke? It's on Stadium. Uh, the next uh, two games, I believe, are on Stadium. AJ Hawk, former. Uh, linebacker for Ohio State and Green Bay uh, Packers is going to be the color guy for this game. Hmm. Good player, yeah. All right, guys, say it ain't so, Kelly. Coach Prime. That's right. Deion Sanders was announced this morning at the 10 o'clock press conference on campus in Jackson. He is the new head coach of the Jackson State Tigers, and uh, he was led into the press conference by the world-famous Sonic Boom marching band and he did tell uh, members of the media and the players that he wants to be called coach prime uh, i guess that's short for prime time i guess but uh not coach uh, sanders or coach Dion, but coach prime now at the helm of the tigers and the swag kelly why do you hire a guy to be your head coach that's never coached anything in his life well, for, for the publicity for one thing and again i don't know how he's going to be as an x and o guy but he's going to be able to get some players there. I'll bet you a, a dollar to a donut because of his because of his his fame, you know, and because of, of his uh, of his resume. He was a terrific athlete, no question. And he knows he knows what it takes to get to the league, to the NFL. And a lot of these guys, because he's played in the league, mm-hmm. so a lot of these guys will go to Jackson State knowing this this is a guy that can get me there. Um, and I think it's a legitimate selling point, but. You're still going to have to call X's and O's game time, and uh, and that'll translate into wins and losses. So well, we'll see. But I I totally understand his uh, attraction by the school. Right. So Luke, is the game plan you get Dion Sanders to come there? Dion attracts quality athletes. You get coaches with real experience to coach those kids up. Is that the plan? 
I, I mean, I think that Dion will be able to get some guys that typically wouldn't coach at a uh, FCS school that will come to Jackson State because Dion Sanders is the head coach, which means that, I mean, this is how it affects Southern Miss. He's going to get some recruits that he's, he's going to outkick his coverage in some ways, I think. I mean, I think that they're going to swing beyond the fences, and he's going to get some kids that could go to FBS schools simply because they want to play for Dion Sanders. So, guys, 2020 continues. You've got Fred McNair at Alcorn. Of course, he's he's uh, you know he's kin to Steve. There you go. You got Deion Sanders at Jackson State. You got Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. You got Mike Leach at Mississippi State, and you have the youngest coach in FBS at Southern Miss. It's just twenty twenty. Yeah, it's just a weird time. Only thing consistent are the Bengals, Kelly. <sighs> Kelly, That's, what 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 can I even say, Bob? It's um. <laughs> Oh, that does remind me. I've got my therapy session tomorrow at 4 o'clock. I forgot right. to write that down. Don't forget that. And this time, take a checkbook. we got to complain yeah. about that the last couple of times. Uh, you've seen the doctor, Kelly. You know, well, I just I just forget. That's the other thing I have to, you know, I've been hanging out with Joe Biden. I just forget things. But I just used to, <laughs> Look, <laughs> I found I found somebody in Hasbury that will give you free ice cream after the visit, Kelly. There so you know, I, yeah. I might pass that information on to you. And, uh, and Kelly, speaking of Joe Biden, it's about time for your nap. Am I correct? <laughs> <laughs> Back tomorrow at 1 o'clock if Kelly wakes up. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Talk Mississippi Media Production.